Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny. Welcome to episode 79 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here today with Randy Grant. How you doing? Hey, how you doing, John? So where are we and uh, where are you from and how did we meet? Um, I'm originally from uh, Mississippi and that's where I met my wife and we... Uh, Got jobs with the Department of Defense, working in Japan overseas, and we worked there for 16 years until we early retired last year. And actually, my wife saw your um, your blog, and that's where she first met you. And then when uh, we moved into this apartment down here, or this condo, she saw you at the pool, and that's where she recognized your face. And that's that's kind of how it all started. That's funny. So uh, Randy's my neighbor. We we are in his uh, his apartment, which is literally right across from mine. Uh, here in Chiang Mai. <laughs> How do you like living here? I love it. It's, yeah. you know, it's everything uh, we had hoped for. Um, we had been to Chiang Mai before, you know, and this was kind of number one on our retirement spot to, to come here for at least a year. So the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is you're living here, you're enjoying life and traveling around, but you're kind of the opposite of my normal guests who are, you know, are still working. So you're retired. I, I am officially retired, yes. At age... 40. I'm 46 now, but retired at 45. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, right. yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, for most people, you know, they, they kind of dream of retiring at 65. An early retirement would be 55. But in reality, like, do you think most people back in the U.S. are even going to be able to fully retire at any point? Uh, probably not. Um, back on our blog site, we even talked about how if you watch the news and you listen to those people and they kind of tell you, oh man, you're never going to retire. You need to work forever. And, you know, maybe then when you're 95, you might be able to retire or something. It's just, it's, it's just kind of ridiculous sometimes. So I, I used to dream about, you know, retiring and then traveling the world or doing, doing whatever, whatever happened to retire, I guess. And I used to, it used to be a big dream of mine to be able to just never work again and just say, okay, if I can get X amount of money saved up, then I'll never work again. But I think my mindset's actually changed now where even when I'm 65, I actually wouldn't mind still kind of doing a little bit of what I do now because I, I, you know, I can do it anywhere, number one, and then I kind of enjoy it. So I definitely don't want to work for a job I hate when I'm 55 or 65 or 75. Definitely don't want to be working at McDonald's or something, trying yeah, to right. you know, try to get by. Right. But if it's just you know some kind of online business, especially if it's something not not too stressful, or let's say when I'm 65, all I do then is write books, or all I do is the podcast, I'd be I'd be okay with that. Right. I think if if you're happy doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. by all means. Um, now realize we've only been doing this a year, so I don't know what's going to be in three years, five years, ten years. Now my wife has already found that that she needs to be doing something, mm-hmm. and so she's already went back to volunteering. Um, and doing some other things and keeping very active because she needs that. Right now, I'm, st- I'm still kind of uh, basking in the glow of the hard work I put in the previous you know, 25 years. So you're, you're okay with just having no responsibilities and just waking up and like, what do I want to do today? What? In a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> yeah That's for, okay. For, yeah, for right now. Yeah. For right now, yes, absolutely. But um, 
even being here, we've kept busy. Um, I've scratched a couple things off my bucket list that I wanted to do this year. Um, and that, and that's been really good. It gave me the freedom to do it where, when I was teaching, it was very difficult to get the time off. Well, I wanted to go to Everspace camp and it takes three weeks and it's very difficult to have that kind of time off. The summertime is the worst time to go there and the winter time to the spring is the best. So this allowed me to do that. So before I moved out here, I think I was 28. So quarter life crisis, I would, I would right. say, you know, I had got, went to, you know, went through 20 years of school, whatever it is, uh, and graduate college, started working straight away, and I got burnt out, I said, you know what, I, I don't want to do anything, I just want to hibernate, and that was my dream, so I understand, like, when, you know, after, you know, it wouldn't, I, I can't even imagine working for 25 years, yeah. you know, so I was working for, like, let's say, five years, and I was like, I need a break, and when I moved, first moved to Thailand, I moved to Koh Tao, and I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to have any responsibilities. And my dream was to be able to not have to answer my phone, a voicemail, an email, nothing. I was like, I don't want to do anything. And I did that for a few months. And I think that really kind of just re reset me. Right. And I think that's, you know, so that's a very, very reasonable thing to do, right. especially if you've been working for so long. Right. But now you're doing what you love to do. And, and that I think that's what it's all about. And I think for people who retire early, I think they... And the, I think the key to it, and we're finding that out, especially after our first year, is retiring to something, not from something. And I think we were a little disillusioned, even though we knew this was probably going to come. And I, th I think the adjustment was difficult at first. And we're still going to have to find our feet. Um, we're still trying to, there's still a lot of places we want to go and see. And so that's going to keep us pretty active. But at some point, we're going to have to start to settle and slow down the travel a little bit. And then for sure, I see myself doing something. So. More of a hobby or more of like a side job? You know, I, I don't know yet. You know, I, I, I right now I've kind of blocked it out of my mind, to, okay. to be honest. Um, and I'm not really thinking something will fall in place. Mm -hmm. You know, I taught for 20 years, so there's always that calling. There's always that call to help people and teach and do things like that. Um, who, who knows? You know, I'm just I'm trying to keep an open mind. I'm not pushing anything. So if something pops up, hey, there we go. So with Darissa, so she just got back. She was she was back in South Africa for two and a half months. So if you guys remember the episodes from a, a, you know two and a half months ago, we were in Taiwan, and she went back home to South Africa, and I came back to Chiang Mai to, to just put my head down and work. And she's been back now for a few weeks, and it, it was so needed for her to to go back and number one be around family and friends, but also to have kind of a set. I don't want to say a set schedule, but a, like a like a purpose. So right. she was volunteering at some orphanages there, and then now that she's back in Chiang Mai, she realized that she can't just you know have a free schedule like mine, you know, because some people like you know waking up and be like, okay, what should I do today? Right. And some people like to know what they're doing. Right. So that's why she signed up for Thai classes. So she's going to be able to speak Thai. <laughs> Uh, much better than me pretty soon. Uh, but I think most of it is just, you know, knowing, okay, every day between, was it uh, eight and 10, she's going to go to class. And then every day, you know, every Monday, Friday, she has yoga and every whatever day she has something else. Right. Lori's the same way. She's yeah. a, definitely a, a more of a structure than I am. Um, and that works for her. I'm a little bit more, even though I'm I like structure. I'm kind of used to that. You know, I've been in the military, you know, I joined when I was 17. So I know that structure and that's been part of me. But at the same time, maybe because, 
you know, I, I, I worked, you know, like three jobs when we first got married. We had our son early on in our marriage and, and it was just a lot of work, you know, that was going on that I never had a chance to sit back and relax. And so now I think I'm just finally saying, okay, I just need this time to kind of maybe decompress after all those years and, but something will come back on. But yeah, I understand where you're coming from. So do you ever have any regrets at all about not taking, let's say, mini retirement earlier? Or are you perfectly happy saying, you know what, let me put in all the work up front and then I got to really, you know, at 45, still, still super young, you could still do whatever you want. Well, the goal, and this is kind of weird and I guess some people wouldn't even believe me, but my idea of early retirement came when I was like 15 years old. Wow. And, you know, my grandfather was kind of my mentor with savings and stuff. You know, he always said, you know, Randy, make sure you save 10% of everything you make. And, and I always had this idea of like, you know, if I make 50, 55, I'd like to, you know, stop working full time and then go out and just see the world and travel. And, you know, it just happened a little bit sooner than I thought, you know, just things worked out and, you know. So did you start saving when you were 15? Absolutely. Yeah. I was, uh, I started dabbling a little bit in the stock market. You know, my grandfather helped me out a little bit. I took some of my money, he kind of matched it and we, uh, bought some stock and kind of, he showed me how that thing, uh, worked. And, uh, and then as soon as actually I had money when I first got my job, you know, we started, putting you know a couple hundred bucks a month away and and it slowly started snowballing until where we could so do you think so for most people they think you know if i start having a thousand dollars extra then i can start investing but do you think just by putting those couple hundred bucks in had helped i think if you put 10 bucks away it's yeah. you just got to get into the mindset of starting to save and it it and it's hard in the beginning because you know when you don't have a lot of money and you and you start saving, you don't see that nest egg growing very mm-hmm. much. And that's what I had to convince my wife when we first kind of started. You know, it was very small increments. But then once you start seeing, when you get into it about 20 years and you start seeing the effect of compounded interest, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this thing is really working. So can you kind of quickly explain why compounded interest is such a powerful thing? I think because, uh, again, you don't see it when it's, if a dollar, you know, and it's, and just say you're going to make 10%, you know, and you're like, okay, well, there's a dollar 10. But when you start and that money starts building, and let's say you talk about $100,000, now you're talking $10,000. And that, now you're yeah, starting to, that's start, a, big difference. That's a yeah. significant amount of money. Now it takes time to get to that point. Mm-hmm. But once you do, and that portfolio keeps building, it goes. You know, and there's people saying, well, you know, I'm scared of the market. And as we were talking the other night at dinner, I went through two different <laughs> market corrections. You know, the tech bubble burst in the late 90s and then the housing bubble burst in eight. And still we, you know, had enough to retire early because we talked about buying stocks on sale. Were you ever tempted to, to take your money out when it was going down? Never. That I actually, and we talked about this as well, I actually increased our our monthly contributions, you know, we just started, we put even more in. I called my financial advisors and we upped it for, I don't even know how much at the time, but we said, let's, let's buy more. So I think even without knowing what stocks you're investing in or what funds were like, it almost, it's, it's almost irrelevant. I think if someone had invested, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month since they're 15 and then every time the stock market went down, they bought more instead of selling, I think they would be able to retire at 45 as well. Right, yeah. It's the market if from, from its inception, you know, if you look at it like a, a stair step, yeah. you know, it's, it's up and down, it's up and down, but at the same time, it's always going up. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and that's, and that's how it's always been. Yeah. So I, I absolutely a hundred percent agree with that. And that's why I'm really glad that I started investing now. Uh, but I think technically when I was pretty young too, like I think when I was 15, I was like, I should save. And then I just, I just stopped. You know, I think I, re- when I was 15, I started putting $200 a month in after my first job working at the ice cream store. And I, did that until I got to college and then I had excuses. I'm like, oh, I have, you know, I, I don't have a job now and I, I need that $200 to, to support myself through college. But if I had just forced myself saying, you know what, I have to, I have to figure something out, man, that money would be worth so much now. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I understand too, when you're late teenage years, early 20s, you, you know, investing's not on your mind. Yeah. You know, you're thinking like 65 is about a billion years down the road and you're thinking about cars, you're thinking about going out with your friends, yeah. you know, dates, the whole bit. And that's your main focus. And it, it's tough to still have that in your mind that, oh, I need to invest for the future. It's, it's hard as a young person to, to re- figure out that you got to invest for the future. But I think the best way to think about it is the opposite. So let, let's so what you don't want is to get compounded interest for on your credit cards. Right. So let's say you owe a couple thousand dollars. Right. If you let that interest compound, man, you're going to you're going to be so underwater, you're going to be so overwhelmed within 5 or 10 years. I mean, like let's so let's say you only paid the minimum or you didn't pay right. anything, you paid zero right. and you let that interest build up, it'd be insane. And what's cool about investing is it's almost the opposite, where instead of you owing people money, you're letting that interest compound towards your favor. Right. So I think when people think that way, they're like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. When, you know, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, that's a good way to put it because you know they tell you if you buy like a $3,000 couch and you just pay the minimum, you're like you've never paid the, the couch off or if you do, it's you paid you know however many, yeah, uh, much you, money yeah. it was. So you know, just, just completely guessing, that $3,000 couch might be $60,000 by the time you end up paying it off, which also means if you saved $3,000, that money might be worth $60,000 someday. I think the first time I really was shocked by interest rates was when we bought our first house. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, 9% was a decent interest rate, you know, compared to what it is now. But they give you the amortization schedule. Mm And I think our first house was around like $75,000 or something like that. But at the end of that 30-year mortgage, it was going to cost me $212,000 for that house. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So like you said, if you can look at saving that type of money and that's what compounded interest does Mm -hmm. at the end of that 30 years, that's a nice chunk of change. How old were you when you bought that first house? We, When we first got married, I was 23. So it sounds like you, you know, you kind of grew up as a typical American living the went after the American dream. So you went to you went to college? Yep. Where did you go to school? I was at the University of Southern Mississippi. All right. And then you got married when you were 22 then? Yeah, 23. I was uh, I was just finishing. I had about another year to go in my teaching degree. Uh, met my wife. Uh, we got married and had a son about a year after that. So it was So really pretty much a normal American, yeah. you know, upbringing and pretty much the ideal one, you know. Go to school, get good grades, uh, get a good job, have a kid, ha- you know, have a house. Would you ever buy a house again? I would not. Um, I had that house. I've had rental properties before, um, but for our lifestyle that we have now, we just travel and rent. And because, like, we're here in Thailand, if you know, you hear about all the civil unrest around the world, and since that's where we're going to be traveling, if something happens, we can just pack up our suitcases and we can leave. Um, 
we still have family back in the States, so we do stay with them when we go. And maybe down the road, maybe when we get into our 60s, if we find something that maybe we want to have a short-term place in the States, you know, we could, you know, put some money down on something that if, you know, maybe his grandkids there or something, you know, who knows. Do you think you would sign another 30-year mortgage? You know, I was, I was thinking, I thought about that before. I'm like, okay, let's say if I'm 70 years old. And uh, I do a thirty-year mortgage. Just say it's five hundred bucks a month. I'm going to be dead before it, <laughs> before it comes due anyway. So, you know, maybe it doesn't really matter. So I'm thinking. Okay, so I don't know what's going to happen when if I ever move back to the U.S. and ever buy a house. But I'm thinking 100. percent I don't want to pay it off over 30 years uh, unless it makes some kind of financial sense. But I, I just, I mean, it's a complicated thing. But I, I'm pretty sure most people would kind of just lie to themselves. They buy a house they can't actually afford. They can, bear, you know, they can make the payments, but they can't actually afford that house. Right. And they never even look at that number, the you know that amortization number. Right. Like, what is this five hundred thousand dollar house going to cost me right. at the end of thirty years? I think nobody looks at that. Well, even before we took our job overseas, you know, we refinanced to fifteen years. You know, I think our payment went up maybe like fifty bucks a month or seventy bucks a month, but we dropped the thing down to fifteen years. You know, so I knew what I wanted to do, but you know, at the time, interest rates were just so high. Was there a way that you could have kept the thirty-year mortgage but just paid extra principal every month? Yeah, you, you, I probably could have done that, but you know, I went from nine percent down to six and a half percent. Okay, so that's so a pretty significant chunk just to do that alone. And then if you wanted to pay on the principal on top of that, but we kind of knew that we probably wouldn't stay in that house, mm-hmm. and almost less, almost right at two years, we were we were selling the house and moving overseas. What? Made, who made that decision? Oh, we both did. You know, we always we always wanted something more. Um, and maybe, and we always thought about going just to North Carolina. We love the mountains and, and places like that. And uh, we went up to DC for a, a, a job fair. Mm-hmm. And about a week later, you know, we got called and we sold the house. We sold both our cars. We were selling everything in our garage. It was funny because people came up to the garage sale. You know, there's a for sale sign in the house and on the cars, like, are y'all getting a divorce or something? Oh. <laughs> you know, that's what we were just selling everything. And, uh, you know, we were on a plane within a month and we were in uh, outside of Tokyo, Japan for two years. And then we moved to northern Japan and that's where we spent the last 14 years. Any regrets? <laughs> absolutely none. We absolutely loved Japan. It was a fantastic experience. Our son essentially grew up in Japan, you know, since he was five. You know, and even for him, it's more home to him than the U.S. is because he would only go, we would only go back to the States in the summertime for maybe two or three weeks and most of his time was spent in Japan. So how old was he when he, when you guys moved there? Five. How, how was that raising a kid in, you know, in a foreign country in Japan? Well, you know, again, as I've told you before, we were working on a U.S. military installation. So it's like little America. Um, I think our base was somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15,000 people. You know, we had Taco Bell on a Burger King, Popeye. So it was like taking a little chunk of the U.S. and plopping it down. So we were exposed, because we taught on the base, we were exposed to Americans more than we were Japanese. But we tried to get off and mingle and... And we did, I think, a pretty good job with that, you know, being part of the community of Japanese that were there. So the school was all other, you know, uh, people that worked for the DOD. Right. They are, you know, enlisted officers, kids that, you know, work there. Do you think it would have been like possible or different if you weren't part of that and you were just living in Japan or let's say living here? I, I think that would have been an interesting concept to have just lived, like we used to say, live on on the economy. 
I think that would have been really cool because one, we would have been absolutely 100% fluent. You know, I hate telling people that I lived in Japan for 16 years and I'm not absolutely 100% fluent in Japanese, but 80%, 90% of our day was in English, dealing with Americans on the base constantly. And by the time you got home, you're so exhausted from work that, you know, you just didn't want to try to learn something else. But again, that's our fault. And I feel embarrassed. I really do about it. But it's still, that had been an interesting concept to, to live on the economy and do it 100%. I still think we would have had a great time doing that. I like that. Very interesting kind of story because I'm sure most people listening to the, to the show, you know, have considered saying, hey, should I raise a family in a, in a different country? But most of them aren't going to have access to the military base. Right. It's not like just you know a civilian can walk up and say, "Hey, I want to put my kids here." Right. Well, you, well, actually, you can, but really? it's just going to cost you money. Okay. You have to pay tuition, and it's pretty pricey. Okay. It's almost like sending your kid to college. I think it's to send a kid to a Dodia school overseas. I think in Japan, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of like twenty thousand a year or something. It was pretty significant. But there were some. Japanese families that sent their kid because they wanted them exposed to that and there were some people who don't have certain sponsorships and they would have to pay tuition so yeah and I'm sure there's some kind of hack around that so either the the husband or wife can get a job there right you can get what we call SOFA status a status of forces agreement and whether you're working at the base exchange or you work you try to find some some place that you can get an ID card and that SOFA status and that entitles you to the benefits or the base. Yeah. That, that's the travel hack of the day. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So would you move back to Japan? I really would. We absolutely just loved it, especially where we lived. It was kind of in the country, but it was we had four seasons. You know, coming from Mississippi where we kind of had hot and it cooled off and it got hot again. You know, we really saw snow for the first time when we moved to the northern part of Japan. And we just loved it. We just we loved the community we were in. We had great Japanese friends. We got great American friends. Um, it was just a great place to raise a family, to experience life there, experience that culture. It was fabulous. So would you move ba- back there or would you move to Tokyo? Tokyo is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic. It's a big city, but there's so much to do down there. Um, it's just the price, you know, to live. Um, day-to-day living, you can go by, and we talked about it, you can go by and you can eat cheaply in some places, but when you have to go to the grocery store and, you know, an apartment this size down there, you'd be paying three or four thousand a month. Oh, U.S., wow. Yeah, it's pretty pricey in certain things, yeah. So we're in Randy's apartment. It's, it's a very sweet place. It's similar to, to my layout, but just bigger. And you have bigger living room, like a bigger L-shaped couch, uh, a really cool bathtub that has a glass wall to the, <laughs> to the uh, bedroom. It, is, is that why you got the place? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Lori saw the rain shower. She's like, oh, yeah, so the rain shower's separate, and she loves a tub, you know. So uh, it just it just fell into place, I think. But a lot of stuff's in white. So I think after we were here a while, she's like, I wish everything wasn't so in white, you know, because it shows the dirt and everything. But um, I, this has been a great place. You know, the building's nice. You know, we have the pool, the gym, and all the things that come with it. It's, it's, just, it's in a great location. Yeah. You know, this oh, yeah. is a fantastic neighborhood where we live. So what would the equivalent of this to be in Mississippi be an apartment like this you know it's so hard for me to to tell you that because I've been I've been away from the states living for 17 years now and you know it's sticker shock when we go back I don't know the prices of cars really I don't know the prices of of houses or apartments because I just that's not on my radar when I go back I just know cereal is like five dollars a box and that's like super expensive (laughs) 
What's funny is my, so my sister, uh, she has decided to sell their house so they can buy rental properties. And very, like, such a smart move by her. And she was actually inspired by reading some books I recommended and also listening to this guy named Grant Cardone's uh, show where he talks about buying uh, apartments to rent out. And I really applaud her because when I, I, the first time she told me about it was she was at my cousin's house for, I think it was over 4th of July, uh, it was a barbecue. And my cousin went on the phone and she's showing me her new house that she's moved into. I think they just upgraded again. You know, every few years they, they just have to move into a bigger house. And she showed me the view. Uh, it's across the river from, I mean, across, I'm sorry, across the, the bridge from San Francisco. So kind of the Sausalito area, which is really expensive. Right. And it was beautiful. I mean, like the view was incredible. The house was gigantic. You know, it was at least five bedrooms, if not if not bigger. And I was just thinking, man, you know, for that for that, those two minutes, I was envious. I was like, that's what I that's what I would want. And I can only imagine my sister being there, seeing that, and be like, you know, that's what I want as well. But I was so proud of her, where she, you know, she was like, oh, it's a great place, but that's not what we want. You know, we want a place, and their house was beautiful as well. Uh, but they realized like we don't even need that because I think they had like a four bedroom house, and this is them. You know, they have two young kids. No, 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 no sorry, five bedroom house, and they're like, we don't need that big of a place. That's that fancy. Uh, you know. We, we might as well use that money and make money from it. Right. So they're selling their house. They moved into a rental property and it's $4,500 a month. I, I, can't, I can't even fathom because, you know, you can live well here in Chiang Mai for what, two or three months on that kind of money? Yeah. <laughs> and, in my, and I know they, you know, they were downgrading. They were like, okay, let's get a smaller place. Right. And it's still, you know, almost 5000 a month. That's insane to me. Right. It's... Yeah, I almost think that you know you have to get these bigger homes. Like maybe if you want the nicer schools, yeah. Well, that's only in these nicer neighborhoods. Well, houses are maybe start at three thousand square feet and go up. You know, and if you're just two people, do you really need three thousand square feet? You know, this thing is less than five hundred square feet, and we're perfectly fine. I actually have a big fascination of looking at YouTube for tiny homes. Have you ever seen those? Oh, those little ones that you can buy. It's almost like on a trailer or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those are pretty cool. And I don't know if I'd actually want to live in one, but I really like the idea of it. I like the idea of efficiency, you know, of building things well, and then not having too much junk, just, you know, being minimalistic. Speaking of which, you've been in Chiang Mai for how long now? Almost a year. And when you pack up to leave, what would you be, like, what, are you, what have you been traveling with? Oh, when we retired last year, we sold everything we own. We sold every vehicle, every piece of furniture. The only thing we kept is some of our military documents that we needed and uh, some pictures and videotapes. And we put that into like a, a like two or three plastic tubs that fit under uh, Lori's mom's bed. And all we have is our carry-on luggage. We only travel with carry-on. We don't check baggage. So again, when it's time for us to go... We, you know, who wants what, <laughs> you know, they can have it. We'll throw away the other stuff. We pack our clothes and we walk out the door and toss them the keys. That's it. We are absolute minimalists when it comes to that. That's insane. I mean, I understand, you know, wanting me to want to travel with just some check baggage, but just why just carry on? Why not check one bag? Because we've just, 
and since we've been traveling, living overseas gave us the opportunity to travel a lot. And we just got down to be able to pare down what we had because when we went on vacation, we tended to wear the same things over and over again. Now, of course, Lori has different issues than I do. You know, give me a couple of t-shirts and some shorts and I'm good to go. But she learned to mix and match. And she's written a couple blogs and I, um, about being a minimalist and I think she even wrote for another lady uh, who was asking her what she did. And you can find those on our blog about what she packs, you know, because I think the women are a little bit more fascinated than the guys are. Like I said, we're pretty simple. But what she packs, how she packs, and what, you know, how she mixes and matches different outfits. I'll make sure I have a link to your blog. This is uh, episode 79. So you go to the show notes, or you can just go to freetirement.weebly.com. That's it. Yeah. So what what made you guys even want to start a blog? Because I know that's not like an income source or anything. No, it's absolutely not. It's not. It's not a great blog. I think when we first did it, it was more of an online diary for us. Um, that way, you know, friends and family who were who wanted to check in and see what we were doing, and especially we started about a year before we actually retired. And it was kind of us kind of going through the thought process of what's happening now. This is, you know, if these things happen, we're going to be able to retire at the end of this year. So it was kind of uh, therapeutic for us to, to do that. And, and we've, you know, we've gone along and um, blogged about a couple little things. Like I said, you're not going to find us blogging every day or every other day and putting tons of stuff up. But we put pictures of where we traveled or, or cool little things. Like I think I just posted something yesterday about airfare. And traveling in Chiang Mai because I got a great deal on Lion Air, one-way tickets. Lori and I both going down when we fly out. Taxes and everything was like $23. Wow. It was, it was crazy. I was just like, you just can't do that anywhere. So what are your actual, what are your travel plans? Because you're leaving here pretty soon. Yeah, we're leaving here at the beginning of September, uh, going to Europe for a couple months. So we're going to move around Eastern Europe. We have some friends there we're going to stay with and then see some of the places that, that you've already blogged about on your blog, which is great. So you already gave us a great uh, tour of that stuff. Um, and we're going to take a repositioning cruise back from Italy back to Florida. And we're going to see our son graduate. And then we plan on moving toward uh, Central and South America for a few years and try that out. It's a lot of the place. So let's start with Europe. Why, what made you decide to, to go to Europe after this? Well, it's kind of on the way. <laughs> you know, yeah. We have some friends there that uh, saw us in um, in Japan, and we want to see them in, in their hometown. And we have a lot of people we worked with back in Japan who've since moved to Germany, working for the Department of Defense over there. And I said, well, let's go to Budapest and Prague and and all those places and and see that part of Europe, which we haven't done before. And then the cruise back to to. To the U.S. is kind of cool. If you haven't heard about repositioning cruises, you don't know about those. Those are really neat things to do. So what, it, what actually is that? A repositioning cruise is when they take uh, the ship from one location, they move it to its its winter home or its summer home. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a one-way trip. It doesn't come back to the, the port that you started in, but you can get great deals on these things back to the States. I know some of the, the cheapest one I've seen so far this year is on a Norwegian cruise. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood about $600 for a two-week cruise, which wow. includes all your meals, you know, all your, your sleeping, your entertainment, you know, and you're going to pay that for a flight, for yeah. one eight or nine-hour flight back. So how did you find that? Oh, they're just, they're just on just about every cruise website you can even think of. There's just tons of this cruise.com, cruisedeals.com, vacations to go. And you just I just kept playing around with them, finding the best one that we want. And plus, we're going to uh, celebrate Lori's 50th birthday 
you know, on that cruise. And so, oh, wow, that's nice. Yeah, so, it's gonna that's be a nice. heck of a deal, too. Oh, it absolutely is. We paid a little bit more to, to have a balcony because we never we all, you know, have the inside cabin because mm-hmm. that's always the cheapest. So, we paid a little bit more. We're like, okay, you know, let's do it. So, what did you pay for that cruise? Uh, let's see. For we're on the Celebrity Constellation, which is kind of a they say an upgrade from Norwegian, I guess. And, um, soup to nuts. You know, taxes, gratuities, the whole shoot match was a little under 3500 for a balcony. Okay. For both of you? For both of us. Oh, nice. That's okay. everything. So, like I said, we could have cut at least a 1000 or more if we would have went with an inside cabin. Okay. But she wanted something a little more, and I, I'm not going to argue. I think that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's her birthday. It's, yeah, It's absolutely. a big year, so. Right. But I would, I would imagine that for most of the time, you know, you're not going to spend that much time in the room anyways. Right. So if, if someone wants to save some money, the inside cabin's fine, right? Right. And, so, and that's normally how we would do it. But she was like, yeah, let's let's kind of splurge on this yeah. one. I said, okay, no that's problem. Nice. All right. So oh, how much would that have been if, if it wasn't a reposition cruise? Do you know how big of a discount that is? Well, if you look online and you look at just a normal seven-day cruise, uh-huh. you're going to pay that price and then some for a balcony. And that's just that's for half the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still makes stops. It's not like it goes straight from Rome straight to Fort Lauderdale. You know, I think we go up to Pisa and Cartagena, Spain. It goes to Morocco and a couple stops in the Canaries. Then it's seven straight days. Now that's where I'm going to probably go a little stir crazy. <laughs> but um, it's it, it's just a interesting, cheap way. You don't have to worry about jet lag. Yeah, I think that's gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah. Like I would, I absolutely love to do that. I would do that just for fun. Uh, do you know if there's gonna be any internet on the on the boat? They do have internet, but it's, you know, I think it costs you usually your firstborn to permit oh, it. It's okay. very expensive. I think, you know, if you get sweet cabins, I think they throw in, okay. you know, different stuff. But I, you know, I can do it. At, I can get internet at the ports that we go to, you know, go to a cafe and get free internet. But I can do it without the internet for a week. It's not going to kill me. So <clears throat> that's actually my goal in the future is to be able to completely leave for two weeks at a time. Right. And not have to check any email at all like <clears throat> the way that my life is set up right now I'm pretty happy you know working once in a while um, I can kind of just go in maintenance mode so, so some days I might only work for an hour right? and I'm okay with that you know but the one thing I can't do is just go on a two week cruise so right. that is going to be my I don't want to say retirement goal but right. definitely a goal that I'm going to have in the future well hopefully in the future too that the price will come down. There'll be more, you know, the internet connections will be better on these ships. Um, and then that will make it make a little easier for you if you had to go back and check, you know, your <clears throat> website. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd want to do in the future is in Spain, there's a, a walk on the Camino de Santiago, which is a 30-day pilgrimage where you walk from one end of Spain, the, the part, pretty much the, the border of France, and you walk to the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. And it takes about 30 days, but there's places to sleep every night that are only, um, they only take people on, like you can't just show up there. You have to actually have this, they call it a passport, but it's basically in the start of the, you know, start of the walk, you, you get this booklet and every night they stamp you and then they, you pay like a small amount of money, you can sleep there. And they only allow people on this walk to sleep there. So if you don't have the previous stamp, you know, they say, you know, sorry, this is, this is only for pilgrims. Right. And <clears throat> I think it's cool because then you can, yeah. you know, basically for 30 days, you can see the whole country. Uh, you can stop and, you know, have different food every night. They make great wine. 
and you meet people on the way. I don't know. That, and that's definitely a goal I want to do in the future. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's the kind of stuff that in our position allows you to do. Yeah. You know, that I was in the last blog uh, post I, I just did, we talk about traveling in the off seasons, mm-hmm. you know, the non-peak times and the, the deals that you can get. You know, we, of course, we had to, you know, our visa is going to run out at the beginning of September. But if I could have waited just one week, the airfare that I wanted was going to drop by over $100 just by waiting one more week, you know. And so as soon as you can get into those lower peak times. Yeah, that you know, absolutely makes sense. Or even like when you do go back to the U.S., if you want to go to Vegas, don't go on a weekend. Right. You know, you can get a room at the Bellagio or any five-star hotel for less than $100 if you are happy to go there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Right. It's just the flexibility and not everybody has that flexibility. When we were teachers, you know, it was the two weeks at Christmas, the spring break, and it and it seems like everybody who was in the tourist industry knew what teachers were off and because the families would be off too. And that's when they would travel and they would and the prices just go up. So now we have the ability to travel on the non-peak time so you get the best deals you can just walk into a hotel you know that's maybe a hundred bucks a night and you can get them down to 50 or you know even lower sometimes yeah definitely and what's cool is so in both you know your case now where you did the early retirement and then also the majority of people listen to this who the digital nomads you can both take advantage of it you know and i think it's you know it's a, such a different way of living than the normal nine to five or to 65 and then only have holidays, you know, during those same two weeks that everyone else has a holiday. So it's it's funny that your life and the life that a lot of the, these nomads are living are actually very similar. Right. I admire what they're doing because, you know, they've kind of broken the, the norm of what, you know, sitting in the cubicle office and working nine to five. And they've taken their job on the road and they still get to enjoy the perks. You know, you get to enjoy the perks of Chiang Mai and the low cost of living, but you're still doing you know, the job that you love to do and you know, you're making money at it. That's a great thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, you get to do this when you're 46. Right. And not when you're 66. <laughs> right. Which is, a, I mean, because you can imagine. So for me, I used to think there's only two, two major things that, that were kind of mutually exclusive. Time and money. You either have a lot of extra money, but you have no time because you're working so much. Or you have a lot of free time, but you have no money because you're not working. And it wasn't until I was at a coffee shop at a Pete's Coffee in San Francisco, I think it was about a year ago, um, and I met a guy who had who shared a table with me just because it was busy, and his story is really interesting. He was telling me that he just retired, and he started traveling the world, but I can kind of see something in his eye where he just wasn't that happy, and I think it was because, and I asked him how old he was, and he was 70, and he's like, yeah, he just retired, and now he has time and he has money. Because he had worked so much that he has, a, you know, a great pension, uh, and now he's retired, so he's completely free time. But what he's missing is the youth and the health and right. the vitality. So, you know, that's not an option now either. Now, now there's three things <laughs> on my list. Well, we kind of call it: you have your go years, mm-hmm. your slow years, and your no go years. You know, so we're still in our go years and we want to do as much and see as much as we possibly can because we're eventually going to slow down. You know, that's going to happen. And then at some point, it's going to be very difficult to, to move a lot. So you've got to get it in while you can. And, you know, people say, oh, I admire that. And, you know, I wish I could do that. But, you know, it's difficult. I understand that people are in, in tough spots. And they, you know, I was very fortunate to have the opportunities that we've had and been able to see what we've seen and do what we're doing, you know. So... 
if you can, let's say you had to do it all over again. Well, first off, would you do it? Would you do it all over again? Oh, in a heartbeat. Okay. I probably would have been able to retire even earlier if I know now. I probably would have, wouldn't have, like we were saying, probably wouldn't have ate out as much and would have saved that. You know, because the the people who kind of mentored us, you know, we read their blog was uh, they retired at uh, 38. Billy and Acacia Catterley, and they uh, have a, a a blog called uh, Retire Early Lifestyle, and they are just phenomenal people. They're now just turned 60. And they've been doing this thing for so long, and it's really incredible to read what they've done. And they've been great. They've answered our questions, anything that we've ever done. And uh, they've been a great help. We've always missed them. We've always been like, we, when we were coming to Chiang Mai, we missed them by one day. They were here in Chiang Mai, but I think now they're back in Guatemala. And maybe we'll see them when we go back uh, to Central and South America next year. So you mentioned you're going to go to Central America. What... Is that just just because you want to go? Yeah, we haven't been down there. You know, I went to Mexico on a, when, uh, part of uh, Children's International Summer Village when I was like 15. But we want to go down to Guatemala, then Ecuador, and Argentina, and I just want to see it. I haven't I haven't been there. You know, so and my wife hasn't either. So it's just a new place to see. We we know a lot about Southeast Asia. You know, living in Japan, this was a lot of vacation trips for us is to come here, and we've been to Europe a few times, but Central and South America haven't. So I'm curious. So I don't think I wrote anything on my blog about Guatemala. I think it's because it was it was it was definitely before I started johnnyfd.com. So I'm gonna see if I could find some photos or info about it. I'm gonna write up a post, not only just for you, but also just just for my own personal thoughts. You know, just so the main reason why I have my blog, and it's probably a similar reason why you have yours, is not just you know to share it with other people, but it's nice to look back on it. Right, and it's fun, right? Because you forget, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I did that. Yeah, you know? and like when you, when people ask you advice, you know. Uh, of what to do, where to go, I can just say, oh, yeah, you know, check out my blog post. Right. And it's because I wrote that for myself and I wrote that for my friends, you know? And, you know, it's like, for example, when you go to Prague, when you go to Berlin, I'm going to have you read that post because that post is going to be able to explain it better than I can now. I probably forgot all those places. Well, you already got me sold on the beer in Prague, so we're like, that's like one of the first places oh. we're going. I can't wait. The beer in Prague is so good. It was funny because <laughs> I actually never uploaded the photos um, from from that trip because I think I was so busy. I was like traveling so much, uh, went to like four different countries in, in two and a half weeks, and then I came back when it was Larissa's birthday. That surprised her on, and then. I don't know, just life just got busy. So I just never uploaded the photos. And just the other day, I think about a week ago, I went through my, cleaning up my hard drive, started opening those photos, and somebody had mentioned that for my prog album, I had a beer in every other photo. <laughs> it's and, okay, though. And no one's ever seen me drink beer anywhere else in the world. Right. They're like, what, you know, what happened to you? And I said, man, if you go to Prague, you're going to know, because beers are always less than $2. Uh, and that's like in this touristy city center. But where we were staying, and I wrote the name of the hotel on there somewhere. It was, it was like it was basically in a castle. It was right. a castle hotel, and just around the corner from it, there was a little basement, you know, brewery that we just stumbled upon. And I remember beer was eighty five cents. Wow! And it was the wow. best I've ever had in my life. It was so fresh that they said that it was made yesterday, and it has to be drank that week because it's not pasteurized. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I love unfiltered, unpasteurized wheat beer. And it's, oh, man, it was, it was delicious. And with every meal, I, I had a beer with every single meal. But isn't that great when you're traveling, that when you just stumble on these little hidden gems that you just, you never saw maybe in a guidebook or all of a sudden you just, 
it's just like the best best thing. It's you know? fun to find. But I think there's also two sides to that where I would hate it if I, let's say, I missed out on some really cool places just because I never bothered to look at a guidebook or a blog. Well, people tell us, you know, oh, well, that's a tourist trap. I'm like, well, it's, it's a tourist trap for a reason because it's an important thing to see. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always take that with a grain of salt. I'm like, yeah, I want to go see it. You know, going to Angkor Wat or, you know, going different places and you see these magnificent structures. And But, yeah, you got to go see them. Yeah, it might be touristy, but it's kind of once-in-a-lifetime deal. Yeah, so I think there's definitely... Um a mixture between those things and let's say with like restaurants I do like being able to just randomly stop in a place and try it out right. but at the same time if I'm only there for let's say a few days and there's like a must eat you know five you know five star rated restaurant where, where everyone on TripAdvisor is saying this is the best in town I want to go there as well yeah well I just like typically like when we get to a hotel wherever we're going Lori likes to relax and put her stuff up and I'm like I gotta get out she calls me a border collie she says I always gotta be doing something so I go out and I I basically try to get lost in whatever city I'm in (laughs) I'm up and down these back alleys and I look for local places you see the locals in there you don't see another foreigner in there and I'm like let's try that place you know the prices are usually great the food's usually fabulous and it's just a cool little atmosphere that you get and that's that's kind of what I like to do when I'm going out I, I definitely like that as well I think so. my biggest advice for everyone is on your first day, just walk around. Don't look at a map. Don't you know Google anything. Just walk around and enjoy that. Right. But before your last day, <laughs> before you leave, you know, look on you know either TripAdvisor or Google some blogs right. and find out what are some things that you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, you don't want to miss those important things that are you know are there. But there's a lot to be found in other places too. So. Guatemala and then all the way down to Central America, South America as well? Um, yeah, I think we're going to go to – we're just going to start, I think, working our way down. You know, if Guatemala was good, maybe go down to Costa Rica, Panama, you know, check some of those places out. Ecuador, Cuenca, Ecuador is, is very high on our list to get there. Um, and then maybe further south. Like I hear Uruguay is one of the up-and-coming places. I'd like to check that out. I'd yeah. like to – Get down to the southern part of Argentina. Yeah, everyone I've met who's been through South America has said the one, <clears throat> the most unexpected country in the whole place, the, the the place they didn't think they would like, was by far not only the cheapest but the best, like in in every aspect. That's Bolivia. Bolivia, okay. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where people are like what Bolivia, but I've heard people are nice. They said you know. I don't know about. I don't think anyone specifically said anything about the food, but no complaints. Everyone's saying it's the best places in South America. Yeah, so those, check that out. those are the things you just got to try. You know, and we've got all the time in the world, <clears> so <throat> I'm willing to try. What's it going to cost me? A week or two or three months? Yeah, hey. and by far in Central America. So I haven't been to all of it, but I was in the Bay Islands. So mm-hmm. there's uh, Utila and Roatan, and there's Honduras, and then I when I was working there, uh, I was I was taking people scuba diving in um, in Utila. A lot, everyone would basically go through Costa Rica and then come down to us. And pretty much everyone said Costa Rica was overpriced. It wasn't that great. But every single person raved how good Guatemala, Guatemala was. Mm. And it was. It was the best country in Central America by far. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. I've, I've seen the pictures there of Lake, I think it's Lake Atilan, mm-hmm. if, if I'm not saying that correctly. And it just looks gorgeous. Gorgeous hiking the lake. And you said you were there, right? Yeah. So... So there you go. I, you know what? I'm gonna make a note right now because I need to. I need to find those photos because <laughs> it was it was such a good time. And I would. I think I would go back. Uh, I don't think there's a digital nomad scene there, but the um, 
not the capital. Don't go to Guatemala City. No. I, I've heard, you know, it's definitely not a safe place. There's nothing to see there. Right. But Antigua is Guatemala's Chiang Mai. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's and, not too far from Lake Atilano. Yeah. Not, you might actually have to go through there. Is it on the way? Yeah. I think it's on the way. And... Um, Antigua is awesome. It's it really reminds me of Chiang Mai. If you if you threw like if I just threw you there and I spun you around a couple times, you would be like, oh, this might be Chiang Mai. And it, I all I remember was they had like cobblestone streets. They had like lots of old architecture. Uh, everybody's super friendly. Everything's super slow, and it was very safe. Right. Like I'd walk around there at night, never felt you know unsafe at all. Good. And what I did there was I did a an immersion Spanish immersion program. Where I stayed with the local family, they cooked for us three meals a day, and they didn't speak any English, so we had to speak Spanish to them, <laughs> and it included two hours of private tutoring every day. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So within two weeks, my Spanish went from zero to passable. That's and, impressive. Yeah. And I remember the first day we had lunch, you know, they were asking me if I wanted tortillas, and I had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> I just sat there, and it was so uncomfortable. So what I did was that day during my tutoring, I said, like, look, I want to I want to know how to communicate at dinner. And I said, you know, what is please? What is thank you? What is, you know, please pass me one more tortilla. <laughs> and I wrote these things down and I sat down at dinner and I pulled out this little crumpled up piece of paper from my pocket. And I'm sure my pronunciation wasn't good. I'm, you know, reading off a piece of paper, but we were able to communicate. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I was like, you know, if I just do this every day, I'll be good. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt with the Thai. I learned just enough Thai that to probably embarrass myself, but the, you know, the people laugh and they always they're always thankful that you're trying, and they always look favorable upon that than you know just trying to speak English. So, well, the rest of with her um, Thai like language courses she's doing now, she's been going to the uh, Thai market. It's, it's basically our farmers market, mm-hmm. and she's been trying to talk in in Thai the whole time, and. Even though her tie, you know, she just only she's only been doing it for a week, so I'm sure her tie's not very good yet. But the old ladies that work there love it. You know, they see this, you know, blonde, you know, white girl trying to speak Thai, and they want to help her. Right. So you know, I think that's definitely the way to do it. Right. Just getting involved, and just that's nobody's gonna yell at you for for trying the language. They're always gonna be appreciative. Yeah. And by the way, so the reason why she's been going to the market, she's been juicing for us. Yeah. So we bought a juicer here. It's about a hundred bucks. wasn't wasn't too bad, um, and we are not doing a juice cleanse. <laughs> but uh, we decided, you know, why does it have to be either or? You know, everyone we meet that that juices, they're doing a twenty one day juice, you know, cleanse diet, and that's all they drink, you know, or they just don't do it at all. So we decided, well, why not just eat a normal diet and then also add the juice to it. You know, just for the extra nutrients, and we've been doing that, and it's been it's been fantastic. So, are you trying to like to to lose weight or just eat healthier? What's the goal? It's mainly just for health. Okay, uh, I'm trying to lose weight, anyways, just because I gained a ton of weight over the last couple months of traveling, and then mm-hmm. Taiwan, I probably gained like 15 pounds just from all the pastries and breads right. and everything. But for her, you know, she wants to. She just wants to be healthy. She wants to, you know, if anything, she wants to gain a little bit of weight. She wants to gain a little bit of muscle. But the juice is going to be just like. We figure we don't eat enough, eat enough vegetables, and I've been ordering a side of vegetables you know, wherever we go uh, and trying to go to a, like a salad buffet once or twice a week. Right. But it's still not enough. You know, it's just it's just not super easy to get tons of vegetables in. Right. And most vegetarian places aren't actually vegetables; they're just like tofu and rice and mm. bread. So 
we figured, you know what, why not add some some greens into our diet? Um, so we'll, I'm going to report back on, on how that goes. But so far, it's, I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly can't see any harm from it. Right. You know, just having an extra, you know, glass of green stuff every day. <laughs> um, I do, I think I actually do feel more energetic from it. Uh, I think the biggest problem is it's a pain in the butt to clean. Yeah. But I made a deal with Larissa and said, you do all the juicing, all the cleaning, and I'll drink it. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's pretty easy there. Yeah. You got like the good it. end of that one. So uh, before we, we kind of wrap it up, what if someone, let's say someone's back home listening to this podcast and they just kind of heard us bragging about, you know, retirement at 45 for you and, you know, for me just moving out here. What, what from your, your point of view, what advice would you give, let's say, a friend or a cousin or someone who wants to do the same thing? Well, if they want to do the same thing, then, you know, I don't mind the advice, but not everybody wants to do this. You know, we have plenty of people says, I, you know, I could never do that. And that's fine. You know, this, this lifestyle is not for everybody. And, you know, everybody, each to his own, they got to do what they want to do. And this is what we want to do. Um, But if people want to do this, you know, you, you know, you kind of got to live by, you know, what my grandfather said, you know, pay yourself first. You know, you've got to put that money away. And you can, you can do things like, you know, like healthcare, you know. It was scary for us to leave. We gave up our health care. You know, we pay out of pocket as we go, but you can do that in Thailand, mm. you know, because it's so inexpensive here. You know, I can go to the doctors and, and have medicine or checkups or do whatever under what the premiums were going to cost us, you know, with our insurance plan. I actually remember looking into that. I was going to get health care uh, like, uh, before I came out here. And I was like, okay, you know, it's 300 bucks a month. I'm like, well, that's a lot of money, but I can afford it. I'll be fine. But then I decided to read the fine print. I'm like, okay, so what's my copay? Mm-hmm. And my copay was like 20 grand. And I was like, I can't afford that anyways. Why, right. why am I even doing this? Right. Uh, so I just, I just never got it. And, you know, you know, knock on wood, but thankfully never really needed to, to do anything out here. But if you do, if it's a, like $1,000 out of your pocket to, right. to stay in a hospital for a week. Right, exactly. So you, you, this stuff you can't afford. And it's, but again, it's, you know, some people, and I think when we first started coming here to, to Thailand to have medical checkups, I think people thought we were in a, a straw hut with a witch doctor, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of us. But, you know, when I went back and told them, I said, listen, my doctor studied at Harvard Med or Johns Hopkins and, you know, and he's certified over there and just came back to work in Thailand, because, you know, it speaks fluent English, it's state-of-the-art equipment. And if you've been to Boomerang Hospital in, in Bangkok, it's unbelievable. It's like a five-star hotel. And it's the the care is phenomenal. It's I mean, just, medical tourism is a huge yeah. thing, and you know, for, for for anything like that, like anything that isn't. So, if you need to go to the emergency room, just go to the emergency room. Right. But if it's something that you can schedule two three weeks from now, you can go. To, yeah, you can go to the hospital in Bangkok, stay there at a at a five star you know hotel room, and it'll still be cheaper, and you can have a free vacation and have three weeks to just to relax. Right. You know, and then go home, and it'll still be cheaper. Yeah, I always tell this story. My wife kind of rolls her eyes when I do, but it's it's really phenomenal because when our son came here, he was he was a little sick, and so we went over to Ram Hospital. So he had to see a specialist. He saw a gastroenterologist, had blood work done, got medicines, the doctor fees, and the whole thing was twenty five dollars. The whole That's thing, insane, yeah. you know. And I'm like, there's no way in the states that it costs that, you know. And so, you know, how how can you, you know, fault doing that? You know, dental care, right. eye care, pretty much everything on here. I think the only thing that isn't any cheaper is LASIK. Right. We talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. LASIK is still, I think I can get that done in the States. 
and I'd like to have that done. What so? What actually is your budget out in what way are you traveling? Um, well, it's, it's been what our financial advisor told us we could afford, and what we're doing is way under what he said. Okay, he said you know you can live on this much, and we basically cut that in half because we knew we were coming to Chiang Mai, and we knew we could, you know live on that. Now we've had some expensive months that have popped up, you know, you know, when Lori went back to the States and, and a few little things like that, that unforeseen expenses, which happened. But over the course of a year being here, we've had some very low months. And so when I went back and averaged it, I think that month that we had, I think we were somewhere in the neighborhood of 130 bucks a day, which was quite a bit over what we were normally were doing. But then when I averaged it with the other months, it, it everything was still around $70 a a day for both so, of you for both of us wow that's good yeah so that's that's including you know the rent so that includes eating out and we put it all on a chart and i even did that in our blog you can see our first three months and then when we finish with thailand i'll put the entire year's expenses on there you'll see where we had ups and downs and 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 then i'll tell you that was our thailand expenses but we added some like when i went to nepal that's a separate expense that i kind of use with our our um our government buyout money, but I'm still going to add that for the year's expenses so somebody can see what the total expenses were. I, you know, I'd be really interested in seeing that. Yeah. I, I just did the math, and you spend an average of, of 2100 a month for that's, both of you. Yeah, that sounds pretty close to it. That's living well here in Thailand. Yeah, this is like a really <laughs> nice place. You don't need to live in this no. massive house. No, we could have we could have cut this down by 200 bucks easy. Yeah. You know, you know, knowing what we know now, if we would come back to Chiang Mai... I would get a cheaper place that would probably be just as nice. You know, I, there's so many places I know where I could cut expenses. But you'd be further out, out of the city. Well, even here, if you go across, I know there's a, it's a studio. So we know we like the one bedroom, but we could live in a studio and okay. we wouldn't have a problem. And what's the place across Neiman Heyman? I think it's like 5000 bottom a month. And that's what I Oh, with the pool? Yeah, with the pool. Was okay. that $150 yeah, that's for a studio? Yeah, it's so cheap. Yeah, so, you know, you really can cut the expenses if you want to. So, okay, so... We got we got all that. So let's say someone is let's let's say someone's in the twenties mm-hmm. of a guy's or someone's in their in their forties. What advice would they would you give them kind of differently if they if they want to do something like this? Well, the person in their twenties just has more time. Yeah. You know. You know. I already got my son um, investing in a Roth IRA because he's seen what our goal was. He's like, well, I want to do that too. I'm like, well, this is how you have to start. It's the longer time you have, the better off you are. If you have to wait till you're 40 or 50, you just have to put that much more away mm-hmm. in order to retire at your retirement goal. But you know, if you can start in your teens or in your early 20s and you've got you know, that length of time to let that stuff compound, you, you just see the money exploding. You know? And there's going to be ups and downs. You do, that's, just, that's kind of part of it. You know? that's, mm-hmm. you know, just, and believe me, there was times I was freaking out, especially in 2008 when it went down to like 6,000. The market was down to 6,000. I was like, oh my gosh, but now it's what, 18,000? So that's a pretty good increase. And we kept buying during all those low times, you know. So I'm going to give everyone super basic layman's, pretty much foolproof advice. I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor. I encourage you guys to go you know, find someone who, who knows what they're talking about or maybe read a book. But I'm thinking... Pretty much everyone in the world, no matter how young or how old you are, just do the most basic thing possible. It's the the Roth IRA that you had mentioned is a way where you can save up to I think it's five thousand five hundred a year right. tax free. 
So, you know, there's no reason not to do that because it you end up saving money on income tax. So if you have any right. kind of job, it's a no-brainer to do. And I just did the math. That's $83 a month. So if you save 83 bucks a month and just kind of put it into your Roth IRA and you can set that up, you know, pretty easily, you know, online through right. some kind of website. Uh, and if you don't do anything else besides that, and especially if you don't ever sell it <laughs> until you, you know, you really have to, especially don't sell it when it's low, you probably do okay. And if you don't know what to buy, just buy an index fund. So Vanguard has one that I buy called VTI. Uh, and it's basically their entire, you know, the entire stock market. And there's very, very low, like the lowest fees possible. There's no trade commission. So that's what I would recommend everyone right now, especially if you're young, but no, really, it doesn't matter how old you are. Just every single person, make that a goal and say, I want to make an extra $83 a month or I want to cut my expenses so I have an extra 83 bucks a month. I'm going to put it in this, in this fund. Right. I wish I could remember. I can't remember the guy's name I read, but he called it like the latte factor. He says, instead of buying that $5 cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, every single day, take that money and, you know, and invest it. You know, and just something as simple as that. If you can curb, you know, that one cup of coffee and, and add it, and, you know, there's your, there's your money right there. Yeah, you know? and, you know, my math's not that good, so I'm not going to do it. But I would bring the bet that if you started doing that when you're, let's say you got your first job and you're 18 or something, right. and you've been doing that now, you know, until you're 45 – and you let that that interest compound, man, it'd be worth a lot of money. Oh, seriously, yeah. That's and that's that's the whole thing, and that's I think the hardest thing for people to realize is, you know, that it takes time. You know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to win the lottery. You know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a NFL superstar. I'm not going to have that kind of money. It's not just going to be dropped in my lap. So, mm-hmm. my goal was to. It's going to take time, and that's hard for some people. So, do you think that? You know, you had like special circumstances, or do you think anyone in, in that? So let's say you're just your schoolmates that grew up in Mississippi. If they had the same mentality, do you think they would be able to do? I've done the same thing. I think they can, but again, as I told you before, I said we were in very fortunate situations to to have the jobs that we did and work how we did, and was able to save the money that we mm-hmm. we were able to. Uh, some people probably couldn't put away as much as we were able to. But, you know, okay, so it, maybe it's not 45, but maybe 55, or e- even if it is 60, but comfortably, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I always said, I just don't want to be working unless I have to when I'm older. You know, if I want to go back when I'm 65 or 70 and, and teach and volunteer at a school or do something, yeah, okay, but that's on my terms. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to have to do anything. But, you know, and I know there's some people out there that, you know, have unfortunate circumstances that are just beyond their control and, you know, and they're just scraping by and it's tough living. You know, I live like that. You know, I live paycheck to paycheck in the beginning, you know, but when I had the opportunity to, to get ahead, you know, I put money away instead of spending it on things, you know, we, you know, we spend it on experiences. So that's kind of a philosophy we got from somebody else, experiences over things. You know, so we don't accumulate the fanciest car, the biggest house, or the newest clothes, and we used it for travel or to save. I like that a lot. And, you know, I do want to say that, you know, there are people who, there's a big difference though. So I don't want people thinking like, oh, poor me, because that mentality does not help really anyone. If, you know, if you're in a position where you are struggling, you know, you have unfortunate circumstances, you know, then it sucks, you know, and you can, and you can fight through it. But 
if you're just like an average person, don't think that no one else has these problems because, right. you know, everybody goes through struggles and it's okay to go through the hard times. You know, I was dead broke two years ago. Like I literally could not afford to even fly back to the US. I was that broke. But instead of, you know, saying like tough me, poor me, I was like, okay, what's, what's the five-year plan or the 10-year plan? And I think as long as you kind of think that, you know, then everybody will be okay. Right. It's, it's feasible for, but even if you have to start small, you know, even if it's five bucks a day or even less, you know, you can, you can do it if that's what you want. That needs, but that you need to have the mindset that that's your goal. You know, my goal from an early age was I want to retire by this age. I want to be able to save enough money that I can retire at this age. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to do it. Well, congrats again. All right. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy your rest of your travels through Europe on that two-week cruise yeah, <laughs> to Fort Lauderdale, down to Central America, and then I'm sure we'll be, we'll, we'll be in touch because it's yeah. been fun. All right, absolutely. I appreciate it, Johnny. Thanks. Thanks for being on the show. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, How to Choose the Perfect Niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.